Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is June 5th through the 11th. And the readings that we have for this week are especially sacred. <laughs> the words that we are covering are some of the last words given to the apostles before Christ is taken from mortality. And part of these words, Christ knows what's coming for his apostles. He knows that they don't fully grasp what's about to happen and that it's going to be very confusing and difficult for them. So these are the words that he's choosing to share with them. So this is John 16 and it's verses 20 through 22. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. So Christ is telling them exactly what's going to happen. And there have been instances previous to this where Christ has told them that he's going to die and that there's going to be difficult things. The whole Testament testifies to the fact that Christ is going to die. And he's literally telling them right here that he, they're going to have a really hard time. The woman is in travail. She's having a difficult time, but the joy will come as well at the end. He's telling them this, but the apostles still can't quite seem to grasp it. Now, obviously Christ's predictions come true and he is killed on the cross. And the followers of Christ are forlorn and they're shocked and they are disappointed beyond measure. They had seen him with his power over death and he was the most powerful man they had ever known or even heard of. How did this happen? If he's the son of God, how were they able to kill him? It's all extremely confusing. In fact, it's so confusing that even after Thomas hears that Christ has risen again from some of his closest friends, he still has a hard time wrapping his mind around it. Now, Christ, Christ's other predictions also came true, right? So after three days of darkness, their sorrow very quickly turned to joy, joy that seemed to stay with them the rest of their lives, despite the trials that they went through. Now, it can be easy to be confused at the confusion of the apostles, right? Like Christ has told them very clearly what is going to happen. And he's told them before. It's some of the last things that he tells them. Why are they so surprised when they experience this pain that they've been warned about? And why aren't they also anticipating the joy that Christ promised? It's funny though, we're confused at their confusion. <laughs> However, how often are we shocked by our own trials in mortality? How often are we surprised when difficult things happen or when it's not a piece of cake? How often are we caught off guard when Christ asks us to sacrifice something really difficult? How often are we thrown off balance when there's an obstacle when we're trying to do the Lord's work, right? We're 
doing exactly what he told us to do, but it's not working, <laughs> right? Why are we so surprised when this happens, right? Because Christ told us, right? We have been taught about the plan of salvation from the time that we're little or from the time that we are first introduced to the gospel. The plan of salvation teaches us that mortality, the whole point of mortality is to grow, which means Trials are inescapable, which means difficulty, even when you're doing the right thing, is inescapable. We came here to taste the bitter so that we could understand the sweet. We, And yet sometimes we still react in anger or frustration when hard things come, away, come our way, especially when we're trying to follow Christ. It can even be more difficult when you do have a testimony that he loves you, when you've gained that testimony that he loves you. And when you've seen his power, right, you've seen his power in your life, but something really hard comes along and you're like, what? Like, why is this happening? Right? That's exactly what the apostles experienced. They had seen his love for them. He'd been with them and they had seen his power. They're like, whoa, 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 you died? What happened? Right? We forget that we have been warned, (laughs) that we've been warned that we are going to be asked to sacrifice like Abraham did. We have been warned that the world will hate us for loving Christ. We have been warned that it'll be hard to follow him. And we have been taught that suffering is an irreplaceable ingredient for exaltation. You cannot reach exaltation without suffering. (laughs) And we also in the midst of these difficult things, often forget that joy was also promised. Now, just like the apostles had a difficult time grasping the fact that Christ was going to die, they also had a really hard time understanding that the joy was going to come after the travail, right? So (laughs) I don't even think they (coughs) recognized it enough to place their experience into his words like, oh, like we're in the travail part the joy is coming and it's it's going to be good, right? How might their experience changed if they had been able to grasp what the Savior had told them? How would their experience have been different if they had been able to contextualize their lives and their experience in that verse that Christ has said? Like when the woman's in the middle of it, it's so hard and it hurts But afterwards, the joy is going to be amazing. I would imagine that there still would have been difficulty, right? There would have been an even, there would have been an immense reverence of what was going on in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when they knew that Christ was suffering on the cross, there would have been immense reverence. There still would have been tears for his pain that he was suffering. There would have been tears as the apostles looked around and everyone was rejoicing over this barbaric act that was being performed to Christ, like on Christ. There still would have been difficulty, but there also would have been an acceptance, an assurance, an understanding of why it was so critical that Christ had to suffer. And I believe that it would have changed their entire experience, right? How might our experience change if we trust the words that Christ has already told us? Now, there's another verse that I want to read. This is John 14. And it is verse 27. It's a very familiar verse. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace 
I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, I believe that this verse can go into so many different perspectives. There's so many ways that we can look at this verse. But as I was reading it this week, I saw I saw something new, at least new for me, right? Now, when we think of the world and how the world gives peace, because the world does give peace sometimes, right? Like, we don't have to pretend that the world is all evil. When the world is attempting to give peace, they are often trying to eliminate suffering, which is good. That's exactly Christ asks us to that. We should be working to alleviate the suffering of our brothers and sisters. It's part of our responsibility. It's part of who we're supposed to be as disciples. So I'm not bashing that at all, right? But that's how the world does it. The world tries to alleviate suffering. Christ doesn't always do things the way that the world does it. I don't know if you know that, but he doesn't always do things the way the world does. Now, as I was growing up, I remember seeking this peace, the peace that Christ had promised to me. I remember different times in my life when I felt like I was in this really, really dark hole and I would pray for peace. I would pray that Christ would send somebody to come help me or that that I would just feel him with me, that I would feel this blanket of peace just bestowed upon me. And I was always really troubled when it didn't come. And I remember it. I remember listening to stories in testimony meetings or in general conference of people who had other people come into their lives and it was exactly what they needed and it saved them. Or I remember hearing experiences about people who they were praying and the peace just descended upon them, right? And I remember being really confused by this because I had prayed for those same things and I didn't feel like I had received them when I prayed for them. And that was really hard for me to swallow for a long time, really often made me question my own worth. Now, as I grew older, <laughs> I don't I don't think this is the perfect word for it, but I am at a loss of words on how to describe it. I feel like peace never came in the way that I anticipated. It wasn't something that was bestowed on me. It was something that I almost developed. Now, like I said, it's not the perfect word for it. Let me try to explain it a little bit differently. I feel like I got the order mixed up. So what I would do is I would find myself in this deep, dark hole, and I would pray, and I would pray for peace so that I could know that the Savior was there just like he had promised he was there. As I grew older and as I worked on my relationship with Christ, as I studied the scriptures more, as I chose to believe Christ, the peace automatically came with those beliefs. Rather than asking for peace so that I could believe, I started to believe and the peace just came. And that peace grows every single time I learn to trust the Savior more. 
And that doesn't mean that there's no difficulty, right? The apostles still would have struggled. Even if they knew Christ was coming back, there are still lots of difficult things in this world. And it's not wrong to suffer and to find difficult things. But if we can learn to trust our relationship with our Savior, it changes the whole experience. Now, when you're insecure in a relationship, in any relationship, not just the relationship with your Savior, but when you're insecure in any relationship, you, at least the pattern that I have noticed, is that you constantly seek validation in one form or another. But there's not enough validation in the world to fill that hole, to fill that need for validation. The only thing that's going to fill that need for validation is for you to choose (laughs) to trust. The Savior has already promised to be there. He has already promised to wipe away every tear. He has already promised to make up for every bad thing that was going to happen. He has promised that we will be able to complete whatever work he has for us. He will enable us to do that. He didn't promise that it would be easy, (laughs) but he did promise that he would help us succeed in whatever he asked us to do. He can't tell us more than he has already told us. You open the scriptures, you read them, It is replete with promises from the Savior about what he has done for us, about what he's going to do for us, about what he would do for us right now if we would choose to believe that he's said it, right? (laughs) He told the apostles that they would suffer and that they would receive joy. And at the time, they were very young in the gospel, like so many of us. And so it was very difficult for them to grasp that. As we grow in the gospel, as we grow in our personal relationship with Christ, now it's really easy to gain a testimony of the gospel in general, to gain a testimony of the law of chastity, of modesty, whatever it may be, of the Book of Mormon, right? But as we grow in our testimony of the savior of what he did of what he's capable of the power that he has and how he feels about us those things specifically when we grow in our testimony of those things it clears the path for the peace that we are seeking when we believe on the lord we will know that hard things are coming (laughs) Even if it's still hard when they happen, it's not shocking, right? It's not, it doesn't completely knock us off of our feet, right? And we also have this assurance that it's going to get better. In fact, it's going to be more incredible than we can imagine. When we come to believe those things, when we come to believe his warnings that hard things are coming and that it's going to get better, our entire experience and mortality shifts. But it has to come from us. He's done his part, right? He can't. He performed the atonement. He lived for us in mortality. He has told us over and over and over and over again how much he loves us and how 
willing he is, what great lengths he's willing to go to to help us. If we are having a hard time seeking peace, it might be time to consider the idea that it's our turn to internalize what he's already told us. It's our turn to choose to believe what he has already said, to study the scriptures so that we can grasp it, so that we can understand what he told us, right? (laughs) Just like he tried to prepare the apostles for it. If we can learn from the apostles and learn to to trust his words right now, it'll change everything. I am grateful for my personal relationship with my Savior. I'm grateful for how it's changed my whole life. I'm grateful for how it has changed trials, even when I'm sitting in the midst of them. I'm grateful for how it's changed my outlook on the hope, hopefulness of the world, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how else to phrase that. I am grateful for my Savior. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.